Let's be real honest. Don't you dread almost turning on the news these days? First, the horrifying atrocities with 130 innocents killed in Paris, in a cafe, in the band concert, in the stadium. Next, the bombing raids uh, on Raqqa, Syria, to try to wipe out ISIL's home base, which incidentally will probably wipe out quite a few innocent men, women, and children along with it, caught in the crossfire. More killings come up in the Mali Radisson Blue Hotel days ago, and now the ratcheting up of Islamophobia in France and Belgium here at home among our politicians trying to ban Syrian refugees from even entering the U.S. at all. There's no hiding that our world is more scary every day, adding threats to Brussels, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and New York. And we know there's a marathon in Philadelphia today who hasn't thought, oh, I hope nothing bad happens. This fear can bring out the worst in humanity. Self-preservation and harsh judgments become routine, aimed at whole groups of people, undifferentiated, undifferentiated. What a good time to celebrate that Christ is our King, our ruler who has shown us a better way to live together, to coexist with peace and harmony and sacrificial love and not power-hungry, violent, hateful, phobic, unrepentant ways that our world seems trapped in right now. And I know kingship sometimes is a problematic concept for some moderns. It's a bit tarnished as vocabulary goes, I suppose, conjuring up images of wealthy palaces and gold and dominance and, uh, and dynasties that go on and on and on and serve no real purpose. So many Christians refer to call this holy day Jesus Reigns celebration. That is R-E-I-G-N-S. In truth, today is the last Sunday in the church year season. Just a small review in case you don't have the chronological calendar flow of the church year season. Not many do anymore because next Sunday, you may know, is Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, which builds up to Christmas. But today is the last Sunday in the way we count the days in the church year, because it's the day that Christ is finally lifted up as cosmic king of all the universe. It is exactly about six months from Easter. It's kind of like a second Easter, as Christ goes out in style, you might say. And so today we celebrate that along with our stewardship of all creation. Advent comes next, which is four weeks of preparation for the coming of Christmas, prophecies that there would be a Savior coming. Then Christmas comes. We all know how that goes. Then the Sundays after Christmas follow with Epiphany, the coming of wise men, the wise people who come to all the global village to say who Christ is. Then comes the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ at Easter. And then comes the summer to fall sequence of Pentecost where we are spreading the news, building the church, missionaries go out. Paul is the star apostle telling stories of his wows and woes all over uh, Greece, Greece and Rome, etc., Finally, after a whole fall of this, we culminate once more in Christ as King, now that everybody's caught on.
Christ is lifted up as the eternal ruler, sovereign over all. How? How is he sovereign? Not through his power, not through his oil tankers or armies or bomber jets or smart technology nor self-righteousness. Our Lord, his reign was brought about and brought to fruition through his agonizing self-sacrifice on the cross. At the hands of the Roman government, as we well know, egged on by the Jewish religious leaders, as it says in our gospel today, Jesus' enthronement came through his sacrificial love for others, through humble servanthood and grace and generosity overflowing and inclusion of every sinner, every age group, every gender, every race. The reign of our God calls followers to embody that same embrace of the whole world. The values and qualities that tear our world today need to have amelioration. So let's look at our gospel just a minute. The classic struggle, I love this text, between Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and um, and the Pharisees. Pilate should stand stand tall for the magnificent leadership he has in Rome and have and stand for justice. But he caves in, hypothetically, you could say, to the angry mob rule. He finds nothing criminal about Jesus standing before him, who others have claimed as king, and therefore huge competition for the governor in Rome. But despite the religious leaders' shouts and protests, it seems that Jesus is going to face Pontius Pilate. There is a farce in the air on this trial on two fronts. One, just mentioned, Pontius Pilate is a little bit corruptible in this interchange. He wants to stay in power, and if he doesn't condemn Jesus, he might get relocated somewhere out in the desert. And then there is the Jews about to celebrate their Passover, their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And yet they are about to condemn the very Messiah that comes to free them and all humanity in an everlasting way. Christ comes, you see, to free us all from paralyzing fears and captivity to status quo living as a society. He empowers us to reach out to those masses in need of asylum and shelter from religious persecution and murderous mobs, despite the dangers and costs to ourselves. The reign of Christ causes significant changes in the way we honor and live with one another on this planet. As former Yale chaplain John Van Orsdal preached years ago, once we have known in our hearts the justice of stewardship and of the rich being held accountable to God for their riches, then the claim to do whatever we like with our resources will never go unchallenged. Once we've experienced ourselves as sinners, embraced instead of shunned, then we will always be conflicted by our shunning of other sinners and be challenged to embrace them. We will not be angels 
but our lives will never again be as dull or uncomplicated either. Not perfect, but working for what is better. Working for what is better. Many of us, I'm sure, read the incredibly gracious letter on Facebook by a French father named Antoine this week, whose 17-month-old son lost his mother. Antoine lost his wife in the Paris bombings. It went, as I said, all around, I think, the world and amazed everyone who read it for the testimony. Antoine addresses, you see, the ISIS killers this way. He writes, On Friday night, you stole the life of an exceptional being, the love of my life, the mother of my son. But you won't have my hatred. If this God, for which you kill indiscriminately, made us in his image, every bullet in the body of my wife will have been a wound in his heart. So no, I won't give in to hating you. You want me to be afraid, to view my countrymen with mistrust, to sacrifice my freedom for security. You have lost. Of course I'm devastated by grief. I admit this small victory. But it will be short-lived. I know she will accompany us every day and we will find ourselves in this paradise of free souls to which you will never have access. Now my son is waking up from his nap. He will eat his meals as usual. And then we are going to play as usual. And for his whole life, this little boy will threaten you by being happy and free. Because, no, you will not have his hatred either. Christ, our King, has set us free to live a new life of unconditional love of grace and gratitude and generosity. Oh, not a perfect life, but a free one that won't count the cost to make this world better. Amen. Amen. Amen.